and good evening everyone and welcome to our third installment of our series elders deacons preachers and saints as tonight we will venture into elders character profile but before we get started would you join me in prayer our blessed heavenly father we are so very thankful father and mindful of who you are you are our creator you are our father father it is you who guide us and lead us each and every day father we recognize the power of your word father and the knowledge which we gain from even small ventures into meditating on it and father we pray that tonight as we venture into the study we would do so with open hearts and willing minds father we would do so father with the mindset that we want to better know you because father we know you owe us to the nth degree you know us to the nth degree so father we thank you for allowing this time tonight we thank you for all of those who are joining us tonight both in person and online and we thank you for the growth that will be achieved here tonight father these things we pray and thank you for in christ jesus most holy name amen and amen So as we look at this lesson, what we will find is that aside from the specific qualifications necessary for a man to serve as an elder in the church, we will find that this person also needs to possess certain character traits that will identify this individual as a worthy candidate. So this lesson tonight, we will review seven Seven of these traits. In our previous lessons on the subject of elders, deacons, preachers, and saints, a few core ideas were established. Number one is this. These are specific roles that are based on responsibility, aptitude, and appointment. We find that men serve as elders, preachers, and deacons because they have certain abilities. They are appointed to their tasks by the church. And the main difference between them and the rest of the church is their responsibilities. Church leadership, church leadership rests with Christ Jesus. Let us never forget that. Church leadership is embodied by the Word and the Holy Spirit. And finally, church leadership is exercised in this human realm by the elders. So our goal, our goal should be to move away from the denominational model of the preacher-centered church where the pulpit minister is the, is the main pastor, the main manager, the, the main minister and caregiver to the more biblical model of the elder-centered church where the elders are indeed the true leaders in teaching, in ministering, and in shepherding the church. This series that we have ventured into is not simply an, an academic exercise, if you will. 
there's a hope here. And the hope is this. The hope is that it will motivate. And again, let's talk about Anchorage Church of Christ. It will motivate Anchorage Church of Christ existing elders. It will motivate Anchorage Church of Christ existing preacher. It will motivate Anchorage Church of Christ existing deacons. And all of the saints who identify with Anchorage Church of Christ. But would do something else. It will stimulate others who are not yet serving to to step forward into these roles. So as we continue, what we want to do is venture off into some general characteristics. So so what I'm saying here is this. Before we look at and explain the, the very specific requirements for qualification as elders, what I want us to do together is examine some broader characteristics that are necessary when trying to recognize whom among us should serve in the capacity as an elder. There are specific qualifications found in in the letters or the epistles of Timothy and Titus. But there are also some general characteristics or rather qualifications that help us identify what kind of man is truly, and I'm going to use this term, eldership material. A term not found in the word of God, but you know what I mean. Those who serve in, who those who will serve are those who are serving in the capacity as elders. Number one, trait. This man accepts the Bible as God's word being the only standard within the church. I take you to 2 Timothy chapter 3 at verse 15. As, as, as Paul is writing here to Timothy, he builds up to verse 16. At verse 15 it says, How from childhood you, Timothy, have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Then you get to the crust of it. All scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And then he tells you why. That the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. A person... And you would think a person serving as an elder does not have this issue. But a person who is not yet convinced of this or who cannot defend this idea lacks the fundamental component for successful leadership in Christ's church. The major tool, the major tool for the elder is the word of God. And if he does not know it or, or, or does not believe that it is God's word, or if he does not go to it for direction and counsel, he will lead God's people into apostasy. I remember, oh goodness, a lot of years ago, when two brothers from South Anchorage Church of Christ sat in our living room and we were discussing my salvation and Barbara's salvation. And one thing they said before we get started, they said, 
in order to make this work, we got to come to an agreement. You have a Bible, I have a Bible. Y'all had one, they had theirs. I said, can we believe that this is the inerrant word of God? Because if we can't, it's no sense in continuing with the study. I had no problem believing what was written was the inerrant word of God. And because of that, we were able to go forward. And I was able to make a true decision, and that is whether or not we were lost and whether or not we weren't. And we came to the realization from reading God's word. And as I put it to him, well, according to this, (laughs) I am not. And he said, well, what else are we going by? And that's what we have to believe and do as elders. We have the word of God as our standard. And we have to believe it and we have to accept it. Number two, this man loves the church. And when you talk about elders, I'm not just talking about the universal church that God has established. I'm talking about the individual congregation. At Ephesians 5, verse 25, the Bible reads, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, that is not saying that that that. The brethren here said, okay, James and Jaylee, I want you guys to stand in the door and we just see the guy coming with the gun. Stick your chest out. That is not what that's saying. But if you think about what elders do, especially in a congregation where as we surmised last week that we should have six, but we have two, you think of the work that, that is upon these two individuals. Yet we do it day in and day out, Right? Christ Jesus loved the church and he died for it. Christ's elders should be mature enough to see the church, and we are, with all of his faults and still love it. I think a preacher said a while back that the church would be great if it wasn't for the people. Yes, we have all of our faults, so let's not act like we don't. We do. Like the parent who who loves his rebellious child. The elder loves the church regardless of his failures because if he does not, what other human being will? Oops, should have read that for you. Too late. Next, this man knows how to worship God in every context of life. Romans chapter 12 Verses 1 and 2. The Bible reads, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good, that which is acceptable, that which is perfect. When we look at this text here, what we find is this Paul equates service and purity to our everyday worship as opposed to our public, uh, rather to our public corporate worship. 
And our public corporate worship consists of those things we do on Sunday and those things we do on Wednesday night. We sing songs, we sing prayers on Sunday, we have communion, we have given, but on both days we have teaching. That's public corporate worship. So then, the leaders of the church, the leaders of the church are able to lead in both styles of worship in that they can pray, teach, and sing during corporate worship and they know how to worship God the rest of the week as well by leading lives that are both pure and filled with service. But I say to you, too many times we choose only the ones who are and we can make that mistake here, who are good at leading long prayers without examining what kind of spiritual service of worship they may be offering during the rest of the week. I remember some years ago, I was at a congregation and a gentleman came to visit. And he saw a gentleman there that he actually worked with. And he said something that was really scary. <laughs> He said, I've been working with that man for almost 30 years. And up until the day, I didn't even know he went to church. Are we like that? People don't know we have a relationship with God because they don't see it in what we're doing at work and they don't hear it in what is coming out of our mouths at work. This man works well with others. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 through 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 through 5. The Bible reads, What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Then he answers, Servants through whom you believe, you Corinthians, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Now check this out. For we are, all of us, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. The work of the elder, that work... If you had to put it in simple terms, we find the work of an elder is a, is a people job. Not only does the elder work with the congregation through teaching and counseling, but, but he must also work with the other elders. And when we had five elders here and when we have two, the mindset of the, your eldership was the same. We work with one another. We look at one another as one another elders. Jaylee and I look at each other as like, I am Jaylee's elder and Jaylee is my elder. 
None of, neither one of us is trying to exercise authority and leadership over the other. But we also must be able to work with our preacher, which is why on those Tuesday nights when we have those elders meeting, we have Tony there. And, and before Tony was here, we had Mike there. And once a month, we have the meeting with deacons. Because the mindset is, as elders of your congregation, we have a responsibility of communication. In this passage, Paul diffuses a divisive situation by giving God the glory for the harvest and distributing credit for the work to everyone else. And that is the way we should do it here as well. God's leader is recognized for his ability to foster unity and foster peace. Not for his ability to to get his own way. Elders do not confuse leadership with self-will. Another trait, this man knows how to make decisions. I'm going to take you to Acts chapter 15. We're probably very familiar with what took place there, but we want to go to Acts chapter 15, and what we're going to do is read verses 4 through 6, and then we're going to skip to verse 22 and 20, verses 22 and 23. Acts chapter 15, starting at verse 4, the Bible reads, When they arrived at Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed, notice this, who had believed, stood up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders came together to look into the matter. Before I go to the next slide, let's just back up a moment. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up. You know, a long time ago, if I had done this in, in school, I would have been a genius. <laughs> but I do remember some things people said. And I remember one thing that was said when, when, when John Kennedy was president and Nikita Khrushchev was, was the uh, president of Russia, whatever they call a title over there. And this is what he said. I am going to destroy America but from within. And it's the same way with the church. You notice it weren't the outsiders coming in trying to say these things. It was those who were already in saying these things, trying to divide and conquer. And it is no different today. I think we're all be on guard. If somebody we don't know come in here and start talking stuff, we'll be all on guard to stop that person. Are we on guard for those who are inside and want to cause division? We have to be. So what we have have happening here is that the elders and the apostles, they talked and they conferred with one another and they came up with a solution. Verses 22 and 23. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church 
to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Judas called Barsabas and Silas, leading men among the brethren, and they sent this letter by them. The apostles and the brethren who are elders to the brethren in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia who are from the Gentiles' greetings. They figured out a solution. They made a decision. The things that elders do the most is make decisions. That is what leadership is for. Elders do not make all the decisions. No, we don't. That would be lording over the church. And we read about the leaders of the Gentiles and how they lorded over the church in an earlier lesson. But the job of the elders is not to lord over the congregation, but to make decisions, which means that's why we have deacons. We do our best to give them the latitude to do the work that needs to be done. Elders do not lord over the congregation, but elders are responsible for making important decisions. They make decisions as teachers and guardians of the faith. They decide what will be taught and if what is taught is biblical when there's a dispute, as we read there in in chapter 15 of Acts. Elders teach the church By their choice of material and teachers, they are, in effect, influencing the entire church and the work of different teachers. Elders make decisions about discipline. I want to take you over to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I don't have it on my slide here, but I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 1 through 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. The Bible reads, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife, and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit, and as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. You, or rather, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Paul 
Paul tells the Corinthians to decide in the matter of disciplined sinful members. Elders make decisions about who will serve where and how they will serve. In Acts 6, the the new deacons were commended by the apostles and leaders. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, we see the preachers were appointed by elders. Elders are men who understand that they must make decisions. They understand how to make decisions and how do elders make decisions. Really the same way everybody else should make them. And prayer and study. And every once in a while we throw in some fasting with it as well. And they are able to continue serving even when the final decision made by the elders as a group, as a group, that's very important. In the years that I've served as an elder here and at South Anchorage Church of Christ, at no time did any of us make an individual decision about the spiritual well-being of the congregation. So they make that final decision as a group. And if that decision, if that decision does not go their way, they take responsibility for it. We take responsibility for it. Elders are men who must understand also that indecision is worse than wrong decision. Consequently, elders are not afraid of making tough or unpopular decisions when that time comes. We think back here where we are. We think back here, back in a time here at this congregation. There came a time where we had to make a decision to close the doors to public worship. Then we, there, we had to make a decision to reopen, then close again because of a situation. We had to make a decision whether or not we were going to wear masks or not. We had to make a decision where masks would be optional. We had to make a decision whether we wanted to have someone sitting in the foyer when we were in here worshiping for the well-being and protection of the congregation. And those decisions have not always been received well. But they were decisions that was necessary and had to be made. And I'm not going to sit here and say if we had to do it again, we'll do it again. I'll say this right here. When there's a decision that has to be made, we will consider it and make a decision. And the decision is always about the well-being and the betterment of the congregation. That age-old thing we hear in Star Trek is still important. Christ Jesus showed us that. The need of the many far outweigh the needs of the few or the one. So then, we pursue, uh, well, actually, Romans chapter 14 to verse 19. So then, we pursue the things which make for peace and building up of one another. Last point. Well, almost last. This man is dependable. 
James tells us that those who are unstable will not have their prayers answered. We read this in James 1 at verse 8. It may not be flashy or controversial. Let me tell you something. Stability, reliability, and durability those things are comforting and necessary traits for one who leads God's people. We all know this. We've been around for a while, most of us. There are so many fads. There are so many fashions in religion. So many wars and rumors of wars in the world. So many false Christs who try to influence the Lord's people. God's shepherds. God's elders, your elders, need to be men who are able to to ride these waves and, and face the winds of change without overturning the boat by our own selfish and foolish fear. Elders are men who can be dependent upon to say the right thing can be dependent upon to do the right thing, can be dependent upon to be where they need to be and do these things year in and year out. There's a saying. There's a saying. It goes like this. Even, (laughs) which is kind of interesting here, even if we are only two left, I will be here. Elders are like that. No matter what happens, they will be there. No matter what happens, we will be here. Yes, we have two at this time, and as the study says, we should have six. Two, one elder for every 40 adults. We're a bit short. But for the two that you have, if God so allow us to live, we are going to be here. It is a responsibility. It is a responsibility and an obligation. Number seven, this man can share his feelings. I remember the first time uh, I, I was over here and I think Brother Larry Smith was uh, standing up talking about something and it moved him so much it brought him to tears and I thought wow he's showing his feelings I have shown mine up here other elders have shown theirs up here no shame about it the fact that someone loves you that much <laughs> that they're brought to tears by things that are happening and going on we should be thankful for that at Acts chapter 20 at verse 36 we see Paul sharing his feelings at verse 36 the Bible reads When he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And they began to weep aloud and embrace Paul. 
and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken. And that word being that they would not see his face again. And they were accompanying him to the ship. Elders are human beings. We are men. Elders are limited in being able to fix things. Elders are not usually trained to counsel those with psychological, family, or abuse problems. They are not financially able to eliminate all debt problems. And most are not medically trained to heal diseases. There are times when when we have been counseling people, and even when I was preaching out in the Kiskin of counseling individuals, and, and they're telling me what's going on in their marriage and things like that, and I'm saying to them, you need to talk to a counselor. You need to talk to a counselor. And then they will come back and say something to me. The only counselor I'm going to talk to, if they're not in the Church of Christ, I'm not going to talk to them. And my response to that is this right here. you got a problem. You need to talk to someone trained to handle your problem. And it doesn't matter if they're in the church or not. They are trained professionals who are trained to help you with the problem that you're having. They are trained to help you look beneath the surface at the root of the problem and help you overcome that problem. And it's not always going to be somebody in the church that's able to do this. So I asked that million dollar question. Do you want to save your marriage or not? You're living in Nikiski, Alaska. Tell me how many Church of Christ counselors are down there, (laughs) really, that can handle that problem. Really. But are there people down there that can? Yeah. And even here in Anchorage. The job of an elder is not to fix. The job of the elder is to feed and feel. Their task is to nourish the church with the word of God so that it will be spiritually strong, regardless of the physical, financial, or emotional issues facing the members. Elders, elders need to empathize with the church in times of joy, as well as those peers when people are mourning, when people are sad, they, their ability to feel with the members, the happiness of a new baby or, or the pain of separation helps the church understand something. It helps the church understand that God cares. It helps the church understand that God knows how we feel. Elders. God's instrument to reassure his children that God notices every sparrow's falling. That God feels the sadness at the demise of each saint. And just like last Wednesday when when our brother in Christ, Sean Rice, came forward, God rejoices at the return of every sinner. When each of us went there, God rejoiced. When we fall away and come back, God 
rejoices. So, I have presented you with the elder's character profile. Next week, we will look at elders' specific qualifications. I want to thank you all for joining us tonight, whether here in person or online. For those who are online and want to contact us, we have our contact information on the slide. For those that are here in person, Jaylee and I are available. Tony is available. Be, you know, talk to us. Talk to us. Now, in a moment, we are going to have a um, devotional. And it's going to be uh, kind of a different devotional tonight because, in a sense, it's going to be a quick recap. Uh, just an age-old saying, sometimes you have to hear something more than once to get it. So I ask you to join us at, at when the devotional starts tonight so that we can let this permeate our souls. Thank you for joining us.